Hey everybody, I'm Steve Discourse, and this is the White Savior Complex. So in the past couple of years planning this podcast, I was preparing a lot of topics in an order that made sense based on my experience of engaging these conversations with folks. To keep it fresh, I was going to plan to balance it with related current events as they arose and uh, otherwise just kind of stick to something that seemed like a logical way to break into one topic and another without getting too far ahead of ourselves on one thing without having touched something underlying. And um, I've realized really, though, in this historical moment right now, in June 2020, that there's a real urgent need to address the conversations that are happening now in real time. So... I'm going to hold off on publishing a lot of that content that we already have in the bank before this moment sprung up because there are a lot of questions we're asking ourselves right now. You know, there are a lot of rebuttals and skepticism leveled against demonstrators and their sympathizers, and there's a real need to be equipped to digest or respond to these things right now. So for the time being, that's what I want to do is just continue reacting, responding, and unpacking the national movement that's in front of all of our eyes. Today, I want to reflect on some of the reactions I've been seeing about the defund police. Lots of people, both black and white, are attempting to learn and discuss defund the police right now. It's a new idea for many of us and not just white people. And I might not have made that clear in the previous episode, but, uh, you know, recent calls to remove police from schools have sparked, you know, strong debate in the black communities, as have calls to remove police from black communities altogether. We're all grappling with this potential solution in our own ways. As I'll continue to reiterate, it's important that we reflect on our own presumptions and biases when we engage in this debate. I don't want to convince you abolition is the best or worst decision or what degree of budget cuts is most appropriate. I just want to remind you that when we say things like calls for defunding won't get us very far, we have to remember to ask ourselves who we mean by us and who we think we're speaking for when we make claims like that. Are we envisioning our own neighborhoods and communities? Do we mean defunding won't get black communities as far as they think it will? These calls for police abolition or reform are really typically taking root in black communities that are most impacted by police brutality. So are we imposing our white experiences and values and interactions with police onto what is a conversation centered on black communities and people? If we live in a place with a mixed demographic, does our discomfort at the proposed solutions fly in the face of urgently needed protections for our black neighbors. We can't allow ourselves to fall into some savior mentality where we think we feel or know better than the folks at risk. And this is especially so if if we don't really have much invested either way. If the changes or the status quo don't really impact us in a significant way. So we have to carefully tread that line between advocating for people 
as best we can and taking the steering wheel from people. The other question I've been asking is, are we reacting to this as a national issue when in reality it's a local issue that is happening all over the country? You know what I mean? This is not a one-size-fits-all federal initiative. You know, it's not a debate about Medicare for All. It's not going to war with Iran where these decisions will be made at the top and impact all of us. That's not how law enforcement operates in the United States. So when you speak on this, are you weighing into a national debate in a general way that will unnecessarily pit you against another person in another region where possibly two totally different solutions are going to be required? Because if that's how we're engaging, it's a waste of rhetorical and philosophical and emotional labor. You know, if you in New Jersey wants total police abolition and your friends and family in Nebraska want to maybe reduce and reorganize the funding for their police department, then there's really nothing for the two of you to debate because neither of those solutions is going to impact the other person. You know, each mayor, each county executive, whoever it is, is going to decide for themselves and their constituents how their police departments are going to be run. It's a, hi- hi- a hyper-local issue, but we're all learning and discovering about it through national dialogue. So I just don't want folks to get too caught up in disagreements that, that aren't going to be fruitful. If we want to debate the viability of defunding police, whether it means, again, just scaling back resources or whether it means abolition, we should find a Facebook group in our local community. Or no doubt some local elected leaders are holding Zoom conferences about these very topics. So we can have these debates, but again, it's just about being effective with our time and energy. Have these debates with our neighbors, with folks we live next to, with the people who are actually going to be voting to make this a reality in our lives. Don't waste time arguing with this about somebody on the other side of the country who's got to make those decisions for their own community. So next point on this, and I'm going to continue to make this point, I got to ask, are we making sure to inform ourselves on perspectives from black voices, either black voices in our own lives or black writers, journalists, and other black public figures? Because these conversations that are inspired by or related directly to black people and black communities can't be fruitful and they won't be honest if they don't involve input from black people. And this benchmark isn't limited to a town hall event or a diversity in panelists on a cable news show. This is a deeply personal thing, too. We can't, as white allies, as aspiring white allies, as newly recruited white allies, we can't honestly and effectively engage in anti-racist work if including black voices only means including them at the debate table. For well-meaning white people who want to try and help black folks, black voices need to be inherent in our preparation and research on this issue. It's not their job to convince well-meaning white people, whether that's on TV 
or friends on our Facebook pages. It's not their job to convince us that their experiences are real and truthful. It's our job as white people to collect their input as often and as objectively as we can so that we can then form the opinion. Because if we're coming into public debates, public spaces, public conversations, thinking that we are in support of, thinking that we stand with black people, the black community, if that's the first time we're engaging with black voices, we haven't been honest about this. It means we've come to the table equipped with our rationale, with our logic. And now that we're ready to debate this issue, it's up to the black folks in the room to change our mind if we're not already on board with what they're saying. And that's just, it's not an honest way to go about this work. Because it makes it about us. Well, I don't know, that just doesn't make sense to me. No, I don't. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not convinced. I don't think that's a good idea. So on and so forth. You know, we say these things a lot. And that's making it about us because folks' lives are real and truthful. It doesn't mean any one opinion is absolute fact, but it's truthful. And if we're coming to this conversation with no experience, you know, not as a stakeholder, but an outside observer, uh, someone who's voluntarily coming in to participate. We have to learn the game first. If we want to be teammates here, I don't know. I should I should stay away from analogies, right? But you know, we can't we can't wait till game time. Coach puts us in the game and then expect our teammates to be patient with us when we learn to dribble the ball. You know, they shouldn't have to coach us through that. They shouldn't have to tolerate our learning in the midst. We've got all the time in the world to go and do that homework on our own. And then we can come to the table prepared. So if it sounds like I've said something like that before, then I don't, I was almost going to apologize. I don't apologize because that's just the nature of it. These things are are about retraining our minds. And so we got to just hammer these things home time and again. And and we got to keep checking ourselves, right? As soon as we stop critically reflecting on our behaviors, on our actions and assumptions. That's when we're going to get off the tracks and we're going to, we're going to make a misstep. We're going to do something wrong and somebody's going to pay the price. You know, our reputation might be damaged or we might put, put somebody else in, in harm's way. You know, we might do a disservice to somebody else. So last point that I think is important to bring up is I see a lot of folks analyzing the, the language of defund the police. You know, folks are taking it apart, saying, ah, you know, it sounds kind of crazy. It doesn't appeal to moderates. You know, if you want to win, yada, 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 yada. Okay, look, I get it, but the only people I'm seeing this from is white people. I'm seeing white and black people uncomfortable or unsure of the idea of abolition or defunding the police in whatever way that means. But the only folks I'm seeing who are taking this strategic communications critical stance are white folks. And this is what I'm trying to get at in these conversations that we have, is we've got to be careful that we're not centering everything that happens on our sensibilities. 
I actually know personally a couple of the folks that painted and helped organize the painting of that defund the police mural on the street. This is not some super PAC. This is not some planned national campaign that waited for the right moment of publicity to launch. This is folks with their their boots on the ground, with their asses in the communities every single day. They work harder on what they do than me or most people I know work on whatever it is we work on. To look at it from the outside, from relative safety and detachment, from white communities, from white sensibilities, from white perspectives, and to say, you know, we need to change the narrative here. We need to switch this up. It's all wrong. I get it. I get what you're saying, but it's all wrong. We're, we're taking a desperate plea or an urgent demand from black people, from black communities, and we're saying, yeah, but that's not the right way to say it. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We're all late to this debate, to this conversation. There's To police the tone, to talk about it strategically and politically, if we're really supporting folks, I know we think we're doing a good job by saying, yeah, but maybe if we changed it up, as it, it would get better traction as a campaign. I know we think we're doing supportive work, but that's not how we support. We just got to show up and say, maybe it's an imperfect campaign slogan, but it doesn't matter because I'm here for it. I don't support abolition, but I support folks getting their message out and doing everything that we can to get the change that people need. That's what we do to support we keep coming in here and we want to tweak it. We want to analyze it to fit our sensibilities. But we've done that for far too long. We've been trying to make white people comfortable so that they come over to this side for far too long. These folks had an amazing opportunity to make a bold statement for exactly what they need. And they took it. And as white allies, we're meaning well, but now we're picking it apart a little bit. And that's just not the way to go. That's not solidarity. And it's, it's strategic, perhaps, but that's not what folks are asking from us right now. If you're a communications expert, if you work and black people come to you for guidance on how to get their messaging out, activate. By all means, your time to shine, baby. But otherwise, we need to be supporting folks, not stepping in with our two cents on how they could be doing things better. That ain't support. It feels like it, but it's not. That's where we're at, and that's where I'm going to leave it for now. So think about this defund the police thing locally. There are people interested in this locally, like like. Almost guaranteed. Not everywhere, you know, but in a lot of places in this country, somebody has raised this issue. Somebody at least has wanted the issue to be raised. So do some digging. Find some Facebook groups for your town, for your local government, whatever other way you might be able to to discover that kind of thing and see what folks are saying because that's what it's about. Debating across coasts is is not going to do any good because California is going to do what California does and it's not going to change what New Jersey or New York is going to do when they do it. So save yourself some energy. 
That's all I'm saying. Save yourself some energy. I'm just trying to help out here. As always, tweet me at Steve Discourse. Let me know comments, concerns, thoughts, questions. We can get into it. We can debate if you want. Let's try and keep it civil. I get enough stressful debating everywhere else. But you know what? Whatever. Engage me. If it's got to be stressful and tense, so be it. Let's do it. Let's try and learn something. So uh, I do have a page up on my website, www.newdealmedia.com, new with a K. And uh, there's a page for defund the police, you know, six. I mentioned this yesterday, six uh, or so links to give you a little bit of background. You don't have to agree with it, but know what those folks are talking about because a lot of the people leading these demonstrations that, that we've been on board with all month also feel very deeply and for good reason about the concept of defunding police. And that should be enough to humble ourselves. Even though we think we have the right idea, let's try to humble ourselves and say, okay, but the people we're tacking on board here, the people we're hashtagging that we stand with, you know, the people whose lives we're saying matter are also some of the people who deeply believe that we need these reforms. And some of them think we need this abolition. And if the work they're doing out on the streets across the country the past two, three weeks isn't enough to earn our respect so that we can put our own bias aside and just hear them out for a minute, then I don't know what is. So take a look at the info. Hit me up at Steve Discourse. Appreciate you listening. I'm happy you're here because this is hard work and it's going to take a long time. It's going to take us working together and working through these issues. So with that said, I'm Steve Discourse. And that's the white savior complex.